back to another episode of the Manic Movie Misfits podcast. I am your host, John Phillips. And I'm the other guy, Trevor Chick. That is the other guy, Trevor Chick. TJ, who were you last time? I forgot when we were talking about James Bond. Who, who did you do? Oh, was Baby Keem. That's right. The rapper. That's right, yeah. but TJ, TJ himself is now back. No more Baby Keem. Yeah. TJ's back. Today we have... Phone. <laughs> yeah, a whole, yes. reference for anyone who gets that. Yes, uh, for those that don't know, I literally have references of for music in the last like 20, 30 years just go right right by me, so we'll just leave it at that. I'll have to play you some when, I, when you get back. Oh Do boy, that. Some of it is truly magical. Austin did give me like those those like 30 or whatever rap songs from the 90s, which some of those I actually did really like, for sure. Oh, yeah, the 90s had some great... Like, every decade kind of has its own, like, little thing that's pretty good. 90s, I mean, can't go wrong. There's a lot of good 90s rappers. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of stuff on our plate today, don't we? Yes, we do. A decent amount of stuff, for sure. A solid chunk. Solid chunk. We're going to be talking about, or TJ, you want to tell them? You can tell them. Uh, all right, yeah. Uh, we're, our big topic is Halloween, the old John Carpenter movie from 78. We got Titan Season 3, that just finished. We're going to talk about that for a little bit. Uh, what else were we talking about? Uh, Dune. Did, we, did you say Dune? Dune, Dune. that's it. And, and then, then, and then also, I was thinking. I'm just putting this on TJ now, so good. you're welcome, TJ. We could sum up some of the stuff we've been watching recently as well. Like, just list them. We don't have to actually talk oh, about yeah. them. We can do that as well. If you're I cool with it. I haven't much, so. Okay. It's not hard for me. Okay. Yeah, it's not hard for me either, actually. It's mostly just... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well... You want to start that? Yeah, let's just do that. So, um, I have two episodes left of Breaking Bad. Let's go. Two Ooh. episodes. It's amazing, there. obviously. Oh, yeah. It's One thing I will say, it's a testament to a TV show when even when it gets overhyped, like even when it gets hyped up so much, it still lives up to expectations. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like we we kind of had that thing with uh, Interstellar when we watched that. Yeah. Because we were, we, kinda, we were going into that where like, is it really as good as people make it out to be? And then we finished it. And we're like, dude, this is awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that feeling for uh, Breaking Bad, for sure. And you've been more cautious than me, TJ, with skipping some of the Breaking Bad stuff. Yeah, because it's everywhere. Yeah. It is everywhere oh, on yeah. social media. You can never escape it. No, not at all. So Breaking Bad, and then what else? I think that's literally oh i rewatched bullet for like the bajillionth oh, yeah. time because for those that, for those that don't know i am a stephen queen stan tj is very aware of that oh, and yeah. i know yes and also i love watching it just because it's intriguing just to see like trying to understand the plot it'll oh yeah yeah it'll be an interesting podcast just trying to figure out exactly the whole situation with it i understood yeah, it better this time but yeah the more you watch it and like the more you pick up on it like the the more you understand but like as a first time viewing it's still fun like 
like the action's cool and like it's still like a good thriller in general. Yeah, it's like I mean it's iconic for a reason. Oh yeah. So I mean beyond the, well I mean it's mainly iconic right because of the car chase but and the car, but beyond that, it is it is. I know we said we wouldn't get into it, but I'm going to close it up here, and you can obviously respond to this, TJ. It still is actually a solid plot. Like it, it oh, that yeah. doesn't it doesn't necessarily go way up there with all the other amazing thriller plot movies like Three Days of the Condor, for example. But it still gets the job done at a pretty solid level. Oh yeah, it's it's yeah, like you said, it's not like. I don't know. It's not, like, the highest level, like, story. But, like, I think once you actually, like, start picking up on it and you start, like, truly, like, being like, oh, this is this is what this means and all that, like, it's it kind of does elevate itself. Mm-hmm. Kind of. It definitely has very key and thriller-esque plot points, like twists, with the... as with, Mainly the example being, well, I can't say because spoilers, so I won't. We'll discuss it later. But being with the main witness guy, you know, there's that big plot yeah. twist with him. That's like key, like textbook thriller uh, twist that's done really well. And then you have the great airport finale, which is, which he pays, we, TJ and I believe, pays homage to, to a certain extent, with the way at least that those two airport finales are filmed and, and yeah, edited. Yeah, they're very similar and the way they kind of wrap up and all kind of just feel just in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's Bullet and then Breaking Bad and that's it. What about you, TJ? Oh, and then uh, we finished. I finished up Titans, but we're about to talk about that later. So, Yeah. Um, other than having a crippling addiction to uh, the album Melancholy of the Infinite Sadness by Smashing Pumpkins, uh, the only thing that's like worth noting is I watched The Shining on the big screen uh, this yesterday. Yeah, today's Monday. Oh, boy. Um, that was awesome. I haven't seen The Shining in... Well, has it only been a year? It's only been a year. But, um, I mean, just watching The Shining in general is awesome. It's a great movie. It's weird. It's, like, it's iconic beyond belief. And seeing it on the big screen was just so cool. I loved it. It's Stephen so King's. It. It's Stephen King's favorite movie, right, TJ? <laughs> you could say that. Yeah, yeah. that's he one totally way to put it, right? It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He totally loves it. He totally <laughs> thinks it's a perfect adaptation of his book. Exactly. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah. If only you but... could see. You could hear slightly my sarcasm, but only if you could see my face when I said that. So. Oh yeah. But. That's it for you, TJ? Yeah. yeah. That's or, about it. Yeah. Um, good stuff. I bet that was a really fun experience. That's a, that, oh, that's yeah. one of those great movies to watch on the big screen. Oh, yeah. The last, like, 30 minutes are absolutely insane. I bet. Seeing that, like, with all, like, the crazy music cues, they're just so, like, sharp, and it's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> or seeing, the like, the blood coming out of the elevator. Yes. Is it the elevators, right? The blood comes out. Yeah, of the, yeah, on the big screen. Oh, it's classic. Mm-hmm. Very cool. 
Well, let's get on to our movies. Our movies and one television show of the the day, the night, yeah. evening. What yeah. one do you TJ? Do you want to start with one or the other, or what? What do you think? What should we start uh, with? Do you want to start with Dune? Because we're only going to touch on it. So yeah, I like okay. that. Kind of same thing we're doing here. Oh boy, that was an experience. Oh my god. It. Oh. I, that was so good. It's one of those movies on the theater where few words can do it justice. Yeah. You, if you're going to watch this movie, please go see it in the theater. And not on HBO oh, Max. Oh, there's no other way. If if you yes. if you can now, if there's other health limitations or whatever, then obviously don't do it. But if you can do it, oh, it's it's the only way to like truly experience that movie. For those of you that have been following the movie closely, or are aware of the recent trailers that came out prior to the release and still are showing, there's critics that are hailing it as the next Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. I don't agree with the Star Wars at all because there's nothing, in my opinion, there will nothing ever be like Star Wars, the first one, that that just revolutionized the the, the sci-fi movie and movies in astounding ways. But the Lord of the Rings one, I can definitely understand for sure, just with how grand scale it is, and yeah, the the cast and the locations, all that stuff. TJ, oh, yeah. thoughts I mean, on the or yeah, respond to the the Star Wars and Lord of the Rings comparisons because I'm interested on in, in what you think. Uh, Lord of the Rings, I think, is the easier comparison. Just at first, is like the idea that like it's the big, ne- it's the next big, like truly big scale movie we've had. Like what tw- since Lord of the Rings, like nothing has really like, truly hit that peak of like tr- big scope quite like Dune uh, and Lord of the Rings have. Um, Star Wars, it's weird because it's very much not Star Wars in that it's a lot, like, tone-wise, it's a lot slower. It doesn't feel like it's Star Wars. But I think, like, the idea of comparing it to Star Wars is it's, like, the next big sci- like sci-fi epic we've had. Because, I mean, we haven't had a Star Wars thing in like Star Wars size epic, kind of like, like in a while, like nothing has truly been like the scope of like 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 space like Star Wars, mm-hmm. for, since like some of those old Star Wars movies. So, I think it's kind of like the idea of it. It's not exactly Star Wars. It's hard. I don't know. I have to yeah. think about it more. I don't know. I just. I'll be I'll be honest. I get slightly offended when they compare it to specifically the original, just because you had people, my TJ and my and and I and my friend Emerson make fun of my dad for this. But my dad continuously talks about how they always stood up and clap. People like audience members were clapping at the end of that movie, and as much as we make fun of him for it, it obviously is true. And a oh, lot yeah. of people went to see that movie a bajillion times. And and rightfully so, honestly. Like, that's a movie where I could see myself... Because there, there was nothing like that, right? I mean, you had 2001 A Space Odyssey, which was, eh, I mean, sort of like that, but not really. With And Star Wars bringing in all the effects and all the 
all the different feels to a to a sci-fi film. You have like western vibes, um, all that sort of thing, combined with the effects and all these new worlds. There was just nothing like that, and so I'm gonna reharp rehash what I said earlier, which is there's there will never be anything like that in my opinion. And oh, yeah, as much never. as I, as much as I love Dune, we should get into Dune obviously more and some other aspects of it. But I mean, there Dune is a, it's incredible. The the sound mixing, the editing, the the as TJU highlighted multiple times already, the grand scale, the the scale of the film, the, really um, really emphasized by the way it was shot costume design there really is with that film nothing for me to gripe about with the exception of the only reason i dock it on letterbox personally is just that we don't get again when you you have a five-star movie right you're looking at everything even if it doesn't necessarily mean it aids to the story sometimes even though if it wouldn't aid to the story sometimes the reason i mainly dock it is just because we don't necessarily get in-depth character analysis with some of these characters just because there's so many of them which isn't a problem but i am the reason i do dock it is because of that thoughts yeah i think it's fair um yeah i it's hard because like i feel like the character like the side characters are in dune are a lot different than like i'll bring up war of the rings again where it's like where you you watch war of the rings or read war of the rings and, like, every, like, minuscule character has, like, some sort of character development. Or, like, even, like, like side character. Like, look at Legolas. He's not the main character. But he's, like, his own, like, big character. And you see, like, over the three movies and books. But Dune, I don't know if... I haven't read it. But from what I've heard, it's not every character has that kind of writing. Mm-hmm. Like... Paul, of course, does, because, I mean, he's the main character. But, like, you get into, like, some of these, like, big but also not big main characters, they don't have, like, the same level of writing. At least that's what I've heard. Yeah, I mean... They don't... They're not as, like... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Mm Mm-hmm. TJ, I don't mean to totally reject what you just said, but in Dune, honestly, a lot of those characters... More... I'll say this. More characters in the book actually have really good character arcs and a lot of time spent with them, but specifically, specifically, um, Fade Rautha. I'm just gonna name a few. Fade Rautha. Uh, who else? Stilgar. We haven't seen much of Stilgar in this one, but characters like that get more. But I explained this in our podcast about David Lynch's Dune. There's, it's incredibly hard for a movie to have those character arcs that the book has, considering the book has more time than the movies, even even despite the fact, even with Denis Villeneuve doing it in two. And as I oh, also yeah. mentioned before, or if I haven't mentioned before, there's also narration and in the book, and we get the we get to hear the thoughts of almost basically every single character, and so that helps a lot as well. But oh, yeah. but yeah, but back to the movie. What was your TJ? Give me your favorite. Give me, give me three of your favorite 
like rap, you're just thinking about the movie. Give me three favorite things about the film. Ooh. Um. First off, probably just the cast. I mean, it's so stacked. And it everyone, is. you can tell everyone's loving working on it. Um. Like. Yeah, there's just so many like good moving pieces in that respect. It's yeah, I I don't know how to describe it other than it's awesome. Um, definitely like the effects are probably the second. I mean, okay. the movie's amazing looking. It's I think yeah. CGI wise is probably one of the best I've seen ever. It's. Definitely it's fantastic. Uh, and then, ooh, I'm trying to limit it to three. So that's what I'm kind of. <laughs> yeah. I can talk about this movie for like days. Right. I'm direly wanting to rewatch it. Oh. Uh, give okay. Give me. Give me three more. Just give me three more. If if you can't narrow three it down, more. if you if you or give me two, two, three. Makeup, sound, music, directing. Okay, 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 okay. Blend it there, TJ. I believe you. You could definitely go on forever about this. Oh, of course. For me, oddly enough, my favorite part. By, not by leaps and bounds, but there is a good space between my favorite and the rest, in all honesty, just on the first watch. That's another thing, too, we should preface this by saying. It is it is hard, right? I mean, nonetheless, it is hard to review a film and talk about a film that you've seen once in the theater. Because yeah. it's, it's there's stuff you forget. Some, well, not necessarily forget, but there's stuff that you don't necessarily that aren't necessarily highlighted, that come back later on, after, right after you watch it, like, two or three times. There's stuff that you miss and stuff that you are like, well, this worked better than, better than I thought. This didn't work as good as I thought. But, you know, after the watch in the theater, by far my favorite part, not by far, I shouldn't say that, but by a decent space, my favorite part was the sound mixing and the sound editing. Oh, that was amazing. It was incredible. Absolutely. It was and I think the reason I say that is because I've seen other sci-fi films. Well, I've seen plenty of sci-fi films, but nothing, and, and plenty of movies in the theater, but nothing with sound editing that hit like that and sound mixing, where the, when they turned on the, the, the sound, the, the score, when they, they turned it off, like those scenes we talked about, TJ, you and I talked about before, where they like, we were so accustomed to hearing music in the background of all these scenes, there were several where they would just cut it off completely when they were either walking on the sand, and it just heightened the suspense, and it heightened the the anxiety of a viewer watching this film. And quite frankly, made you even more, at least for me, made me more focused. I was still focused, like, when the, obviously when the score was going, the music was going, and the sound was. But when they cut it off, I became suddenly even more focused on what was going oh, on. Oh, yeah. And more eerie, more just kind of what's going to happen next sort of thing. Even though I did know what was happening next because I read the book. And that's another thing I should highlight too. Is before I was always the kind of guy where I'm like, well, I think you should for the most part read a book before the movie. After seeing this movie in the theater, 
I kind of question that because I knew what was going to happen after every scene, after as scenes progressed, and I still loved it tremendously. And I it should go up, oh, yeah. up, go should go up for best picture easily. Oh yeah, yeah. But I think there is a good argument to be made to read books of the movies after the movie. Because there is still oh, some yeah. stuff that I feel like you miss out on. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. But, um... um... Yeah, I mean... I have Game of Thrones sitting on my bookshelf right now staring at me. Mm-hmm. That I have to... I have to finish the show, but once I finish the show, I'm undoubtedly staring that series up. Yeah. Because... Boy, Jesus. But I'll probably finish the books before the final book even comes out. (laughs) Right. Because Martin is... Well, finish it. Yeah, he's taking a sweet time, right? Oh, yeah. Well, he he said last year, since, like, he's locked down, he's like, I might as well finish the book. And then he didn't. (laughs) Um... But... But I I think there was something recently where he's like, "I'll, I'll maybe finally finish it soon. And everyone was like, no, you're not, George. (laughs) Stop playing this. Nice. You're going to finish it five years ago. (laughs) I'll finish up with what I was saying about the book. Then I'll list my two other favorites. And then, TJ, you can say what you want to say and we'll move on. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. So about the book, as I mentioned, as I was mentioning before, I want to clarify just briefly by saying that I still had an incredible time and... The book, I've learned to, to separate books from movies more now, and I totally appreciate it, and the book isn't hampering my view, I hope, and I feel like, in the slightest. I just want to preface that when I, after, with, after the comments that I made. The other two things that I, uh, if we're doing three favorites, the other two would be the cast and the, specifically the chemistry between the the actors it wasn't a a large amount of chemistry just because we didn't have a lot of time with all these characters intermingling necessarily compared to a standard movie which has maybe like three main characters but yeah it's no harry potter where like it's just mostly the three of them bouncing off of each other exactly two hours eight times (laughs) yeah but uh but the chemistry between all of them together what, with what time that we did have never missed. It always hit, and it always felt just right, and I really appreciated oh, yeah. that because there was – I mostly loved it just because of how much, how many characters there were. And so the oh, ability to have all of them work together and feel very cohesive was bueno. Muy bueno. The final thing of my three, of my first three, would be, what would it be? I would say the CGI. That definitely hit, TJ highlighted this, TJ you highlighted this, but some of the best CGI you'd ever seen, and I would totally agree with you on that, I think that... It is, I think it's the best CGI, honestly, I've ever seen, probably. I'd have to oh, yeah. recall on the movies that I'd seen, but I would say it's the best I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's 
absolutely fantastic. I was I would actually I would, I would add Star Wars, especially given the time and how well those have aged. I would say Star Wars, the first Star Wars, and but I mean like comp- like like for like modern movies like CGI wise, like, quality wise it's the it's pure it's bottom line the best I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah, but yeah yeah like comparatively like to other like stuff like old Star Wars it does hold its ground in, in that way too because it I think it's like a it's I think it's set kind of sets a new bar for like CGI oh it does most definitely but I'm saying the reason it is the highest quality I've ever seen is because Star Wars didn't have the technology that we had today so oh yeah, you're yeah that's at where I was going quality, like yeah that's, yeah that's where I was going was it like for CGI at least like just for com- like computer generated stuff that's like the new bar at least I'd Correct. say I would agree. I would agree with that. TJ, any more thoughts on Dune? I need to rewatch it. And I love it. Fair enough. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are moving on to Titans, season three. TJ oh and I spent two hours talking about the first two seasons at the start of this podcast. Went and we're going to try and cut that down way more. Cut that down. Oh, we are. We're not even going to have a whole podcast episode on it. No offense, D, uh, Titans fans. TJ and I are a part of you. We just have other stuff we got to talk about. We only release one episode a week, so there's only so much we can talk about. Yep. Well, yeah, only so much we can do. Exactly. My first impressions finishing the season, season two was better, flat out. It's still my favorite. Still my favorite season yes. is season two. Yes. I still think that the best episode so far ever is the dream episode with uh, Dick Grayson, the end of season one. Okay. Critically, critically, yeah. I'm not listing my favorites, but critically, I think that's the best episode they've produced so far. I think it is too. Okay. One of my favorites is from season three, though. One of my new favorites is. Interesting. TJ, you want to go yes. and tell the audience then? Because I'm curious as well. Uh, my new, One of my f- new favorites is... um spoilers um oh we need to put that up right spoiler bar because we're spoil yeah that's right yes um post tim dying uh the one where he's in the soul world with donna and hank interesting it's all black and white dude i i loved that episode explain i was so into it i don't know there's something about like the way it was made and like the way that like it was just written like it has. I felt like it had such a different energy to the, like. It was a lot slower, it, like focused on like, the dead characters, and it was just, it, like, really kind of put their, stuff in, check, like Donna and uh, Tim. It kind of put their motivations in check and all that. Plus, it was a nice like fitting end for Hank. I was very into that. Oh. But like. And then, I think my only gripe with that episode was the Rachel bit. I don't love Rachel. She's okay. But her stacking the rocks, it was fine. It was nice that she got, like, her own moment, I guess. Because she kind of, for a little, from, like, it it was the first time she shows up. But, like, she kind of hasn't had, like, a big moment in the sun in a while. So that was kind of nice. Mm-hmm. My, quite frankly, 
one of my biggest issues with when you compare all three seasons, and this season really did it for me, I just wish we got more time with the actual team together. Every yes. time they get together, uh, they split up. And, it, and it's annoying the hell out of me, quite frankly. Oh, yeah. Um, that's one thing I've been saying a lot of. Like, I look through a lot of the, like, season reviews from fans, and they're like, dude, we, we got to have a, a season where they're all together. And they just don't disband for half of it, because I swear to God. <laughs> it, I was like, you're not wrong. It's literally, I mean, it's literally been the same arc as far as the whole group. Like, three times. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, for the first little bit, they're together, and that's, like, the best part of the season. It is. Is, like, where they're all together, and they're all kind of bouncing off of each other. And then, like, post, like, episode four? That's, I think, four. Four or yeah, six? Yeah, four. Four. Is, like, where they, like, really start, like, just, like, webbing out, and you're just like, oh, my God, no. You were on a roll. I know. I think my favorite episode from the season, none of these made my top three. I'll give it that. None of them made my top three. One thing I will say is I'm glad they didn't kill Dick Grayson off completely. If they did, I would have rioted hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. He is – He is. I have grown so much of an emotional attachment to that character, specifically in that in this show – I love him so much. He's one of my favorite just superhero characters in general. Like in the comic, like I always was attracted to him as just like a character superhero character in just comics, right? I mean, he's up there yeah. for me, Spider Man. But they, I just like the actor. The actor's just super chill, like on Instagram, and I he's super chill, and the character. Yeah, he's just vibing. He's, I like the charisma of yes his character in the show. And he, he's just a natural leader. So when they oh, killed yeah. him, I was at, at when he died in this one. I was like, "Oh no, not this, not this!" But they brought him back, which also brings yeah. me to a new thing. I'm also annoyed with all these characters that are dying and then coming back to life. That, I was just, about to say that's a meme now. I know is that yeah, Titans community has been memeing on that that like. They just kind of keep killing off characters and then bringing them back like two episodes later, and you're like, okay, what was the point? Basically, that's setting up for the community to just have no emotional attachment to any death at this point, for the most part. Yeah, pretty much. Because then they're just like, oh, we shouldn't get too sobby about it because they're probably going to bring him back in like two episodes, so it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. Like, the only one that they've actually stuck with is Hank. Yes. And like... Which is another good episode. Yes, you you really like that one, TJ. I remember your reaction to that was quite crazy. Dude. That might be top five. Okay. Both of the, I'd say, yeah, the, those two episodes, the, uh, the one of Black and White and that one, are definitely up there. But the rest of the season's okay. Mm-hmm. It's fine. The, it, it does a really good – I mean, you highlighted this, TJ, but it, it does a great job setting everything up. The The first three episodes are awesome. Like, they're oh, great. Oh, yeah. We watched them together, and we were we were loving it. Yeah. And but then, after like, that it, – It's fine for, like, the next few. 
Yeah. And it really starts like bottoming out. You're like, oh no. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Favorite episode? I still need yeah. to figure that out. I'd say probably fifty one percent, which is where 51% they kind of percent is a good one. They finally okay. team up after a hot minute, at least for a little bit. Yes, that That's one. Was, the, yeah, I remember that one. It's just the it's action sequences when they get together are always amazing. Yeah. And, well, I would say, actually, you know what? I would say 51%, or I'd actually be down for saying that the finale was... The finale's pretty good. What, my favorite of the season. Yeah. I liked where that went. We get to see... Dude, we got to see freaking bow staff skills from my boy, from our boy, Dick. Yes. It's weird Girls how there only wasn't, like, guys that have great stinger. skills. Nunchuck skills, bow staff skills. How do I know that was going to come? <laughs> but, Shout out to the Napoleon Dynamite fans out there. Yes. Well, I, I did find it kind of interesting that they didn't really tease a villain for next season. No. Because, like, cause like, in season one, like, the season one thing is they tease Deathstro- Deathstroke. Season two, they're like, oh, Jason's on his own, and that leads to Red Hood. But, like, there wasn't any difference in this one. They were, like, they were kind of, like, shows a villain coming up, which I thought was a little weird. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, I don't know. I'm interested. Honestly, I'm fine with it just from the standpoint that it'll give them time. It'll yes, give them some it more allows time, them right? to, Yeah, it allows them time to make, like, a time jump if they need it. Time jump, or just to fit. well, I mean, to figure out who the villain is, too. Yeah. And, um, oh, there's something I was going to mention. About. I think Deathstroke's still oh. the best. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, DJ. Go ahead. Um, yeah, the only villain they actually mention is, um, oh, God, what's his name? Ra's al Ghul, the guy who, uh, has the Lazarus Pit. They, well, they, they mentioned him, him in the, they mentioned him in the, in the show, in the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They mentioned him in, like, the last few episodes. Like, he had this plot of, like, putting Lazarus pits around Gotham and so, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, like, so, like, he could come back, I guess. But I don't know. Which, I mean, it could be kind of cool. Bunch of ninjas versus uh, the Titans. Yeah, I'll have to look up. I, I'm not familiar with the comics, I should say, with, with most comic things. But I should, I definitely, after this podcast, it'd be interesting to look up and figure out some of the top Titans villains in the comics, for sure. I'll come up right now. There you, there you go. TJ's on the, TJ's on the case. While uh, TJ's doing that, I will bring up, talk about more about season three, obviously. I don't know how I felt about uh, Red Hood, quite frankly. He was kind of weird. He... He he's one of those characters that had his moments where yeah. I was I totally dug him. I'm like, dude, this is definitely working and I like this. But more there were more times where especially when he's with Scarecrow. First of all, I wasn't a big fan of Scarecrow at all. He he, gets, he started off kind of strong and like the way he was kind of like a quirky version of him like like it was it was definitely a different take 
and then it slowly just kind of became stupid. <laughs> it did. The why I love season two so much is Deathstroke, like flat out as a the the actor and Deathstroke the character flat out was awesome in season two. Yeah, the actor did a great job. The character placement was great for him, and how he intertwined with the team. With they also did a great job with the flashback episodes again in season two with Deathstroke, and his oh yeah the origin with him. This one we never got that. It was always yeah. yeah it was always like, is it gonna be Red Hood? Is it gonna be Scarecrow? Is it gonna be both of them? How are they gonna? There was, there was no real formula that I ever felt was there and no backbone that was there because, as I mentioned and you mentioned, he isn't that strong of a character, especially by the end of the season, as strong of a villain by the end of the season, and neither is Red Hood. Yeah, Red At Hood, times. he kind of just bounces around and he's like, am I bad or am I good? Exactly. For like 10 episodes and you're like, I, got, I swear to God, I need something. I need, I need some, like, actual answer on this and stop having it bounce around for 10 hours. I think the most consistent thing with the... If you're, com- if you're combining all three seasons, the most consistent thing thus far has been costume design. Yes. Oh, yeah. Over- the action's always pretty good. Like, That's the fair. way they set up action's really cool. One of my favorite action scenes is actually in this season it's when red hood and nightwing fight in the woods and it's dark that's a great fight it's shorter than i wanted it to be but fortunately it was just long enough to where i could get good content out of it it wasn't it wasn't just 30 seconds yeah it was this season didn't have too many crazy big action scenes no which not at all yeah also i'm disappointed that they went to gotham i understand i just i like san francisco and we've seen gotham so much in all these batman movies i just want to see a new setting uh, with the dc characters i I don't want gotham i want san francisco yeah that's fair um yeah going plus gotham it just kind of felt like a normal city I'm gonna be real. It didn't. It wasn't like a too crazy take on Gotham, because they're just like, oh no, it's a city and there's crime. And I was like, wow, that's a normal city. <laughs> Fair. I was like, there's nothing. Wow, there's GCPD. That's all the thing that's actually differentiating this from any other city. You could have had this in San Francisco, or literally any other city. I would have been fine with them know. actually going to other another city besides Gotham too. Like if if they were able to make it where there was a, a, a central plot device going on in another city, I'd be down for that too. But I yeah, still stand like, by. I just stand by the fact that I didn't want to see Gotham because I we're about to see it in a new Batman movie. We've seen it in all the other Batman movies. Let's create something else for our young superheroes yeah it's been interesting it has but 
it's one of those yeah. shows, right, where you have to know what you're getting into and going in. It's not going to be the scale of a Marvel show at all. Yes, it's very different. It is. And once you get to, in that mindset, you appreciate a lot of the episodes more. And I, I, be, I still personally believe that I am in the in that mindset. I'm just, you know, being unbiased about it and critically looking at these shows because that's what we're doing on this podcast these episodes and again i love season two and i bottom line one of my favorite superhero episodes ever ever comic episodes ever is the last one in season one with batman killing the joker and dick grayson kind of observing everything and tracking batman down oh yeah I mean, yeah, Titans has some great moments. It's it, it, it's just, like, it's not the greatest show all around. And I think it's kind of, like, garnered that reputation of that, like, if you can stand through, like, the okay bits, you're in for some good bit, like, some good content. You just got to get through all the garbage. A hundred percent. Of, like, yeah, of, like, some boring characters and stuff like that. Who is your favorite character, TJ? I can't remember who it is. Or if it's changed. Um, you said Hank, right? Didn't you say Hank originally? No, I do like you? Hank. Who did you, um, I can't remember who you said. I said Nightwing. Oh, you said Nightwing as well. Okay. I'd say my favorite, my like, I think my, my five favorites going into the season were like Nightwing, Deathstroke, uh, Jason, Donna, and probably Hank. But honestly, Tim has definitely gotten into there. Yeah, like before Tim. we end this, TJ, I would like you, if you're cool with it, explain to the listeners what you find interesting about Tim. Because we haven't but, talked about him at all yet, really. Yeah, so um, he's a Robin. He's one of like the many Robins, like six of them. Um, <laughs> and uh, they finally added him latest season and i thought he was just like quirky he doesn't do anything for most of the season until like like episode eight he actually gets like a whole decent episode because like other than that he's in like three scenes if that and he's just gonna like i can do things and dick's like no you can't go home and that's literally his whole arc for like half the season and it was dumb but um Let's actually make him a character. Like, and he can actually, like, truly do things. I don't know. He, like, I thought he had some, like, good back and forth with Donna. Because that's, like, the whole new thing was them. And then, um, I don't know. I thought he just, he was just a fun character. Like, he didn't do too much. But I think, like, he had, like, enthusiasm that, like, not a lot of characters had in this season. I felt like a lot of characters in the season were just like, oh, everything is so hard. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> that, that Now that you bring that up, you – yeah, you're 100% right on that. <laughs> there was, like, no sense of optimism for, like, any characters. And I was like, oh, my God. They're, everyone's a Debbie Downer except for Tim. And I was like, stop. <laughs> yeah, no, I <sighs> I didn't think about that till now. I think, honestly, yeah. that might affect – that honestly affected my opinion on why I didn't like them going to Gotham too. As I, as I felt that with yeah, it, everyone, yeah, I, I, 
Yeah. Yeah, a lot of characters are just sour for a lot of the seasons. Like, Connor's happy for a little bit of it. And some, same with Blackfire, because, like, they get together and all that. But, like, other than that, no one's happy. Gar kind of mm-hmm. just sits around, and he's like, oh, I don't have Rachel. Oh, Gar no. was so misused. Gar, is, Gar has no role in the season. That That's... actually, no, I take it back. Hank gets replaced with Gar. I, I was Gar. about to, I was literally about to tell you, I was like, TJ, isn't Gar one of your favorites? Yeah. Yes. I was, I was sorely disappointed in Gar's writing in this season because he did nothing. <laughs> I was mad. Gar was great in season two. His arc was awesome in season two. Oh, his first two seasons, like, arcs are great. Yeah. And, like, he doesn't know what to do. And then, like, in this one, he's, like, you can tell there's, he's supposed to do more. Because it seems like he's going to, like, trace down everything about Jason's past and kind of, like, that's going to play a bigger part. And then they just forget about it. And I was like, what? <laughs> what's the point? Yeah. No. Oh. And then it, he's, like, he turns into a bat. And then, like, he's, like, I don't know if I can do it again. And you're just, like, try at least. <laughs> right. You, I'm glad you brought up Tim because we didn't talk about him at all. I loved him. And Gar as well. I'm glad we, we t- talked about Gar as well, how misused he was. He's one of my favorites. I say top three for me is Gar, Donna, and Dick. Overall. Not this season because they misused Gar. I still love Gar in this season for the moments that, like, the moment as a character himself. Like, the character writing his arc in this, fil- in this season was terrible. But as a character still, obviously... Gar, Donna, oh, yeah, and Dick. Him. And then, actually, Gar would be tied with... Gar would actually be fourth. Deathstroke would be th- uh, three for me, probably, overall. Okay. Just because he was so... Actually, I'll put Gar and... No, I won't. <laughs> I'll have Deathstroke at three. It'll be Dick, one, Donna, two... Deathstroke 3, Gar 4. I just love Deathstroke too much. I, Yeah. Like, just the character himself, and then what they did with him in Season 2. But, yes. yeah. That's my yeah, that's my character ranking, yeah. I think post-Season 3, my favorites are Dick, Donna, Deathstroke, Tim, and Gar. Not in any order. <laughs> we base... We're, we're, we're on the same wavelength, TJ. Yeah. We are. I do like Connor. Connor's Connor was okay in the season. He uh, yeah, he definitely had his better acting moments in the second. Yes, yeah, he was just kind of okay in the season, which I was like, eh. but I do I still do like him as a character. Mm-hmm. I thought Blackfire wasn't awful. Blackfire was okay. She gets terrible writing once again. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I, <laughs> ever I did since find the beginning, her... man, it, she's never had any good writing at all. Oh no, you're thinking of Starfire. I was. Oh, thinking that's of, right. Uh, that's right. Of Star- you're right. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. My bad. I listeners. The sister's arc was the sister's arc was decent. Looking for that, I thought she was a lot more bearable than Starfire. Yeah, neither of them. Qu- neither of them are logical. I would say half some of the time. But yeah, 
Well, I don't know I, if I'd say that, but Blackfire seems dumb. at times that she's more commonsensical than than uh, than her sister, Blackfire. than Blackfire. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or Starfire. Starfire. Sorry. Starfire. Yeah, Starfire's more logical sometimes. It, it, it honestly just depends on the scene. Both times. Yeah. They have, they're both idiotic moments. You're like, oh my god. Right. I cannot take this. I know. I know. Honestly, I Which was so... Which we finally get into... Oh. Yes, I know. We need to get into Halloween. I'll say one more thing. I really wanted to... And I, I'm harping back to what I said about the first two seasons. I really, really really wanted to like starfire and i was this close i was so close to liking starfire in the first season but the writing just caved in just caved that character in and i just couldn't get on board all the way oh yeah she's kind the of the dialogue yeah. yeah all right listeners as tj adequately appointed or pointed to me pointed this out to me we need to get on to Halloween. Unfortunately, we're, we are releasing this after <laughs> Halloween. Halloween was yesterday. That We're filming this on November 1st. We're recording this on November 1st. But we still wanted to yeah. talk about a Halloween movie. So what better movie to talk about than John Carpenter's Halloween? Yeah. Established so much of what we know today in the horror genre. Influenced oh, yeah. so many, so many horror movies. Score amazing. Just the name, the fact that it's called Halloween. Like they, they didn't go. They decided it would have been easier for them to be like, oh, let's call it Halloween Revenge on Halloween or something, you know, more basic. Oh yeah, it was supposed to have a different name. Well, sorry, uh, what TJ? It was supposed to have like some other name. Oh, I, it was. I just saw it a minute ago. Uh, like the babysitter killings or something like that. That's or a terrible name. <laughs> it is. And good thing we have Halloween. Would not have, yeah, thank God it's definitely changed. But sure. um, yeah, I mean, it's one of the most iconic movies probably ever. Everyone knows of Halloween. Michael Myers, the theme, like Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie. Everyone like it is, it's, it, it it's like transcended horror movies, mm-hmm. like it's its own, it's like one of its own, one of those ones where it's like everyone, it's common lexicon that you know Halloween. It is. It's, it's one of the movies that you could talk about it forever. And it is. I think with all the movies that that have spawned off this one, it is. It's a part of. It created a. A billion dollar franchise. I'm pretty sure with all the ones that came out, it's probably reached a billion. I hope. I think because there's like a lot of them. I don't know. There's. I yeah. I don't know. There's there's a lot of them. It probably did. I but mean, it, but anyway. the most recent one just came out like weeks ago. It did. So. Halloween Kills. Yeah, has the highest kill count of like 27 people. Wow, 27. Shout out to I my know. 27 friends. But, yeah, Halloween. TJ, what are some of your what, – what stood out to you? Give me, give me some things that stood out to you in this we – well, we talked a lot of it. But th- some of the things that stood out to you in the film that you really enjoyed. There's a lot, but – I mean, yeah, I'll just kind of give, like, my basic opinion yeah. on this movie. And that, like, I love this movie. I mean, 
this is the second time I've seen it. Yeah, second. Um, and I mean, it's able to do so much with so little, and that's what's cool. It's just like, I mean, it's what three thousand dollars to make it. Th- uh, three hundred thousand. Like, was it three? Oh yeah, three hundred thousand. If it was three thousand, that would be a lot less. That um, would. That would be yes. Damn near next to nothing. Yeah, that would be impressive. Well, it but still yeah, is I mean, impressive, like, but yeah, I mean, like the level of like cool like set pieces that are being made for a the late seventies and b like on thir- like three hundred thousand dollars. It's it's super cool, and I mean, and like the ability for that to be like so iconic. And the fact that they like, spent most of their budget on the cameras too. Another thing, as I think well. so. Yeah, but the, the reason the, the, it was like cameras, but they couldn't afford like lights or anything, so it was like, no, yeah, that's why, that's why all the scenes dark. are so dark. Exactly. Yeah. But um, I mean, you can't get it. I mean, it's just I love this movie. I mean, the cinematography is like fantastic. Woo! Like the like the constant uses of one shots and like uh, how, like you can see everything in like the corner of like the frame. Like, there's the one shot of um, the uh, Donald Pleasanton's character where he's out front of the car, like, the store, and then Michael Myers is in the car at the corner, <laughs> and he drives right past, and you're like, oh, my God. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Oh. I love this movie. That, I'm so glad you highlighted this, TJ. I'm so glad they spent the money on those cameras, though, because it get, it gave them the ability. The reason they bought those cameras is so they could have that wide that wide ratio, that wide filming ratio. So they could do things, as you just mentioned before. And there's several other moments in the film, not several, but there are other moments in the film where you will have Michael Myers in, in the, on the far... I should... Example. When... I can't remember if it's after... Oh, no, it's when... Yeah, it's when... Jamie Lee Curtis's character... I can't remember her name. TJ, do you remember her name? Lori? Lori, that's right. That's right, Lori. Yeah. She's she finds all her friends dead, and because of that wide camera, you see, it's one of the most iconic mo- moments in the film, and one of the most iconic shots. In the yeah, film. where he's standing at the doorway. I literally, I had all the lights on. I was like, I'm like, all right, I'm out of here. I, I almost had that moment <laughs> where I'm like, all right, all right, fam, this this is so wow. good. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I had some of those mo- same moments with aliens as well, where they placed the xenomorph. I had that same kind of vibe, where I had those moments yeah. where I'm like, "Okay, I'm done. All right, this is it." <laughs> yeah, no more. Uh, but, but yeah, and it's one of my favorite. TJ brought you brought obviously brought up the great cinematography. Top for me, top ten shot film ever. I'm going there. I'm legitimately. Going it's pretty there. great. It's it's so good. That the. the there's very few movies, at least for me, that I've seen that have used the wide angle as the the wide ratio as effectively as that movie did, with specifically oh, with Michael yeah. Myers. Yeah, there's something about like the way it's felt, like, like, like you said, like the way it's shot is just like so. Oh my god, it's so cool. It makes sense why John Carpenter spent all that money on those cameras. It, it makes sense why oh, yeah. he decided to do that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, without that, I mean, it wouldn't have been half as good. Because it's, like, that's where kind of, like, all, like, the existential dread from, like, the idea of Michael Myers is, is like, all in the background. 
Mm-hmm. And then he actually starts killing people, and you're like, oh, oh no. Yeah. I loved the... They caught the sound of the sounds of Michael Myers breathing in the masks. In the clown yes. mask, they did it at the beginning. And they also did it so with good. with him breathing in the Kirk mask. For those of you that don't know, yes, that is actually the mask, the Halloween mask of Captain Kirk from Star Trek. That's what that originated as. They cut the eye holes a little bit wider, and they did some modifications to it. But at, at its base, that is what that is. Yeah. And they, they do a great job with, as I said, just the breathing into the mask. It makes you so much more uncomfortable, and it makes it so much more haunting. And also the fact that you don't know, especially at the beginning, it's really effective because you don't – I mean, it's still effective later on. But you don't know who who's who kills the, the girl – or who is stalking the the couple, the girlfriend and boyfriend at the beginning, until the very end. Yeah, like, there's only, like, like one mention of Michael, and it's like, uh, do you know where Michael is? And it's just, like, an offhand line, and then, like, the whole scene happens, and you're like, oh, my God. I mean, the whole entire time, whole entire time you're thinking it's, like, some adult, some murderer, yeah. not a six-year-old or however old he was, ten-year-old, I don't know, boy, young boy. Yeah. And so and good. that created a nice shock value, for sure. Yes. It w- I will say it <laughs> It was uncomfortable, not in a good way, when the, the parents got out of the car, and they're like, Michael, where's your, they're like, they're like Michael, where's your sister? And it, and they're just there, like, for, like, ten seconds, just staring at him, doing nothing. And you're like, um, what's going to happen next? Like, they're just all sitting there. And you have that moment, where, at least for me, where you're like, uh, okay, nothing's happening. They see the kid with a bloody knife, and they don't even mention it. I'm just, I'm I mean, just, yeah. I'm just highlighting some nitpicks here, okay? I, oh, yeah. I mean, welcome to... Welcome to slasher movies. Everyone's low-key an idiot. <laughs> yeah. This one, this one I feel like you're, you're, that, there are some moments in here. I want to preface it before what I'm about to say. I want to preface it by saying there are moments in here like that. But for the most part, I say it does a pretty good job, though, of, of not always being total idiots compared to other slasher Other slasher movies. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, some, some of those, like, I mean, the, yeah. The, I mean, this is like the birth of slasher movies. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like this influenced Friday the Thirteenth, which is like the birth of like low key or like or not low key, but like low grade horror movies, where it's like slashers on a budget that are like super campy and dumb. Even and less I mean, of a budget than the, Halloween. I don't know, but like, I mean, like the idea of them is like they are consistently low budget. Okay. And like, and they're they're like they're like campy B movies, and that's the point. Mm-hmm. And they kind of embrace them towards the end, and then like, that goes like Scream, where it's just it mocks all horror movies, like it just in general. With this one, we get the phone that doesn't work, right? When Laurie yeah. tries to call and that doesn't work for no reason, we don't have a reason, right? I don't think they give us one. I don't remember. Unless unless Michael cut the phone line which i 
we didn't see, and I don't it think they show. Sh- it doesn't show. But one, while we're on the subject, one thing that a lot of, especially modern day viewers, are going to bring up is like, how come they never locked the doors? How come the doors were always unlocked? People don't understand that that was kind of common practice in the seventies. People weren't yeah. all high security, safety, you know, security companies for your house sort of things. It was very casual, and and so that totally like makes sense. Like that just kind of was a thing. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. So I mean, it, it's like a lot of these old movies. It's like you watch it now and you're like, wow, that could have been different. And you're like, well, yeah, but it's. I mean, you think differently. It's 40 years ago. It's not like it's going to be what you think now. I mean, you've seen so much of, like, stuff that's, like... Like, you watch a slash movie now, and they're, like... They 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 probably make a joke about that. And it's just, like... Yeah, that wasn't a thing back then. Like, I don't know. But also, I feel like people too, now are too hard on old movies. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I was looking at, like... Actually, today I was looking at review like the Rotten Tomatoes score for the first Harry Potter because I was like, oh, because they're showing it at the local theater in a few weeks. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, and I accidentally tapped on the audience score, and the first review was like, yeah, it's good, but compared to movies now, it's not that good. And I'm like, what? I mean, it's it's twenty years old. So I mean, yes, not everything's aged well, but I mean, like. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? Like, just because something else has done it better means that this is absolute garbage now? <laughs> I don't know. It made me really mad for, like, five minutes. I was sitting there. I was thinking about it. I understand I where like, you're coming. Yeah, I yeah, understand just where like, you're coming from. It's just, like, why degrade old things when it's just when it obviously influenced it, but you're too blind to see that it influenced it and that, like, you, like, it's classic for a reason. And just because it doesn't hold up doesn't mean it's invalid. I mean, if we did that, none of us would watch old movies. I mean, it, I don't know. I don't want to go on this tangent. I'm too tired. Yeah, I'm mad. it's it's making me mad. <laughs> I I know what you're talking about. For me, at least, it is a fine balance because you always want to account age into a film right how well it aged as a film we constantly talk about that but yeah i agree with what i i see what you're specifically talking about and i and i do understand and for the most part i i would agree with that yeah i mean yeah i don't know it's just like being like oh it just because it's 20 years old and it doesn't hold up to like the last movie yeah it's kind of garbage now i'm like what? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It'd be like well, it'd be like looking at like Star Wars Nine versus like the original Star Wars and saying, "Yeah, Star Wars, the original Star Wars is garbage because it looks like garbage compared to Star Wars Nine. And I'd be like, "No, what? <laughs> that's like the best idea I can come up with, like on the fly." That, that's that was fair. Like, that was like the extent of like the thing, and I was like, "Oh, I was gonna riot. I was, I was pissed." I just love. I don't want. We we're gonna get back to Halloween in a second, ladies and gentlemen. But I just love that we randomly have started talking about Star Wars and New Hope more. That just happened in this podcast. Keep mentioning but, Star Wars. True. 
there's something about that CGI though, right? In the first one where yes, you've seen that it's aged, but it still looks awesome. Like there's just that element about it. It's not like the Dune CGI, which now, which it's not like one of those, it's not the Dune CGI from David Lynch's one where now it still looks, it has that look to it where you're like, oh man, that's just almost transcendent. Uh, it almost goes across, you know, decades. With, with yeah. Star Wars, it just feels like that. The first one, it, it's it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I mean, yeah, you watch it now, and I mean, like George Lucas has touched it up, and that's like, fair, right? Has added CGI to it, but I mean, I mean, considering like you do look at like old stills from like the original original, it still looks fantastic. Which I demand George Lucas release the actual cut of Star Wars. What's different with the actual cut? I mean, it's I mean it's the original cut, and but like George Lucas now has recut Star Wars, like especially New Hope, like fifty billion times, just adding modern CGI and a bunch of like random stuff that we don't need. Hmm. And like, like the, of course, like there's the iconic like changing of. Um, Greedo talking to Han Solo, where Han Solo moves his head in really campy fashion because they have to edit it. It looks dumb, hmm. but um, like I don't know, just like the idea of like not being able to watch the original Star Wars, like now, unless if you have like VHSs of it, is kind of sad in my opinion. Because I mean, like I want to watch original Star Wars. I want George Lucas's twenty ten cut of Star Wars. I want to watch this, the 1977 version like it should be hmm yeah that makes sense i i don't i'm not gonna say i care less but that's never it's one of those thoughts that never really entered my mind it's it, yeah it's one of those things where it's like i didn't think about it until like years ago when I, someone actually brought it up and i was like oh yeah no <laughs> i don't like that yeah. I don't know. I still no, watch yeah. it. I mean, I make right. it, oh, I, of course. I habitually watch Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. We it's it's a it's it's a revolutionary franchise with plenty of awesome great stuff. Oh yeah. So, but back to we're going to travel back to Halloween what we've been discussing. TJ, also yeah. I just want to say I 100% approved of your rant. That is totally legendary. Yay. I think I we should touch ranked. on the patience of this film. Through it, Yes. It's incredible to me that literally the entire film, it, it feels like they don't need to push any plot point or any scene really in particular. It's just like, all right, here's one event. All right, let's move to the next. Let's move to the next. Let's move to the next. We're just going to casually be chilling, walking along with these teenage girls, and they're going to babysit, and all this stuff, and all the meanwhile, every once in a while, we'll see Michael Myers out of the corner of our eye, a corner of the, of the frame, because yeah. his killings don't actually start till the final act of the, of the movie, actually. Pretty much, yeah. Right? I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I was going to say, because... What the movie's only like ninety minutes, and I mean he doesn't start killing people until like 
at least three fourths of the way like through the movie, like all the killing actually happens like in the end. Like mm-hmm. if like sixty percent to like the end, because I think the only per- thing he kills before the people is like a dog. Oh, that's and right. That's, he like, kills the, the first... dog. And that's like the first thing, and that's like halfway through, and then like exactly. actual people, it's like maybe more seventy at a few more minutes. It does. It does doesn't start till yeah till a lot later in the in the film, like almost the final act. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, considering it's only ninety minutes, it's it's paced pretty well. It is, and that patience. What I found really interesting is how well it was applied to and how effective it was when it came to our emotions like our how our, our emotions watching it our wariness or kind of like what's gonna happen next sort of thing and yeah. specifically and how well i just worked for the how the patients worked for the horror aspect of it specifically when Lori is walking across the street in any movie today, there's no reason why you would spend that much time with her as she was going across the street to go to the other house to see what was going on. There, there'd be no reason yeah. you'd want to do that. You would just have her go across the street in about a half to a quarter of that time. But Carpenter, yeah, you just cut. exactly. But Carpenter decided to well, let's just take our time with the character, and that that puts us on the edge of our seats because we're like, what the? F- just come on, go, 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 go. We want to see what's happening. Yeah. We want to see what's happening. And they're just slowly like making you wait. They're making you wait, adding the ho- adding up the suspense, adding up the horror. Because you know what's in that house. You know there's all those dead bodies, and Michael's been around there. You don't know that he's actually yeah. in the house at that moment, but you have an idea where you're li- where you're thinking. Well, you're thinking, okay, he's probably still in that vicinity. You know? Yeah, like it, it kind of like it, like ratchets up the tension. Of just, like, actually walking into the house. Like, it just it does. It just keeps going, and you're like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Donald Pleasance? That's how you say his name, right? Uh, yeah, the guy from uh, James Bond? Blofeld! Yeah. What are your thoughts on his role in the film? Um, I mean, he doesn't really do much in it. I mean... He doesn't. He kind of just... He, he's honestly kind of like the exposition. He kind of like tells you what Michael Myers is. Like he is a silent killer who hasn't talked for like twenty years, and that he's coming home, and that's all he like. That's kind of his role is to tell you that and kind of tell you like show you like all these weird things that are kind of happening around, like they stealing the like the tombstone, and stuff like that. And then he like shows up in the ending, but other than that, he doesn't do much. No, and I was kind of fine with it. I was just, I kind of just sat there. I was like, okay, I'm fine with it. I do dig his monologues, though. He has a couple. You highlighted yes. on one of them where he's setting up Michael Myers as the character. He does a. I didn't know he could get to this level of acting. I don't. I I don't have much experience with this character besides Blofeld, and he's also in The Great Escape, right? Yeah, uh, I'll come up real quick. He's he's one of the characars in The Great Escape. And from what I remember, 
he he does a solid job in that as well. He's a, he's a nice piece in that film. That's one of those for those that don't know the Great Escape. It's more of the it's more of one of those collection of cast it's type an movies. Movie. Exactly. That, thank you, TJ. That's what I should have been should have said instead. But in this film, I was thoroughly surprised, as I mentioned before, to to see his acting job that I'd never experienced before with the actor in those couple of monologues that he has about Michael Myers. You're genuinely haunted by what he's saying and engaged. It's it's great stuff. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so I just looked him up, and he's in Halloween 1, 2, 4, 5, 6. Wow. He's in a bunch of them. Uh, you Only Live Twice, which is his Bond movie. Great Escape. Uh, a few more... Uh, John Carpenter movies, Prince of Darkness, which is late 80s, and Escape from New York. I, I, don't I think that's the guy that goes... I think he goes... They're, they're the guy that they're going to rescue in New York. Or that okay. they're snake, sending a snake in to get. The president, right? Yeah, I think so. It's been a hot minute since I've seen Escape from New York. That's a, re, that's a rewatch that needs to happen soon for me. Yes. Yeah, I, after this, I've been wanting to watch some uh, John Carpenter movies. You and I went on, like, a solid binge for a yeah, while. we watched a few. I've seen oh, yeah. seven, including Halloween, I believe. Interesting. He's, one of, my, other... he's one of my favorite directors. He's he's a top... Oh, yeah. He's definitely a top tenor for me, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the only... The last big Donald Pleasance movie is um one from a director named Dario Argento. He made, have you heard of Suspiria? Mm-hmm. He, the original one. Uh, he made that. Or okay. he was, he's in one of his movies from, like, the 80s. Is, is he, he the dead one with now? Jennifer Connelly? Yes. That's what I figured. He died so. in, like, let me see, 95. That makes sense. He, I, I figured I figured that would be the case. But yeah. Rest in peace to our boy. We'll, we'll throw that out there. Yes. How many John Carpenter movies have I seen? I've seen seven as well. I think we've yeah, seen think all we've the seen, same ones. We've all seen all the same ones. That's right. Yeah. Do you have a favorite shot in the film? Is there one that stood out to you? Ooh. There's plenty that have stood out to me. I mentioned the one earlier with um, with Lori in the bedroom. Also, that's just a haunting. That just gave me the heebie-jeebies seeing the tombstone above the girl in the bed that yes. just that was extremely so unsettling um, and combined with they lit, john carpenter's like all right we're gonna give the audiences that and then right after we're gonna scare the hell out of them by having michael myers come out of the dark up. show up in the right next to laurie without laurie knowing thanks thanks john thank you yeah thank you. you just scared th- the hell out of me <laughs> i think my favorite shot is it's in that same section it's back when she runs across the house to the house she's babysitting in, and uh, 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 what? Oh my God, Michael! There we go. I thought of Jason Voorhees for a second. I was like, that's not right. <laughs> uh, Michael sitting like laying on the floor. Um, oh, and then no. she she runs back out to the hallway to check oh. on the kids, and then they the kids run out, and then she's sitting there. And she's like. Like she's like freaking out, and then like you slowly see Michael like rise up, and then like start walking over. 
Like, what the hell? <laughs> oh my god! So that's iconic, and I was like, oh my god. I TJ, you that. brought up a great point. His mannerisms, the actor that for Michael Myers, the mannerisms that he does in this film is incredible. Oh yeah. I mean, so unsettling. Has he done anything else? Let's see if just uh, the, the way he moves with how stiff he is as a character. He's not very he's not very loose in any way. He's quite broad-shouldered and quite stiff when he moves. And the way like he there's that one shot where he tilts his head, remember? He tilts his head like this. I'm like, "Okay. Oh, okay. This is Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm scared now. I'm freaked out. Pro, honestly, one of my favorite parts of the film, I mean, obviously Michael Myers should be, but specifically his, his mannerisms really brought that character to life and stood out to me in, as one of the, the main favorite parts of the film, is specifically his mannerisms. Oh, yeah. Let's see. My favorite – TJ, you go ahead, or do you want me to say my favorite shot? Oh, I was just trying to figure uh, – I thought I – I think that um, either they use him – I think that guy might be like the only guy's like only movie. Like, or he huh. might show up in Escape from New York. But um, Interesting. Either they use uh, flashback scenes in the new ones or um, – they actually brought him back for these latest ones to do like the actual Michael Michael Myers stuff, or at least like kind of like him just walking around and not going ham on people. Because yeah, he, he looks a little older. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, my favorite shot is when I believe it's the little boy who Lori is babysitting. He's looking over at the other house, and Michael is just standing there staring at him. Yes. There's only a little light. I think it's just the porch light that's on. Yeah. And Michael's like half in shadow, half in light, just staring at him. Just broad-shouldered, just like upright and, and everything. And then he looks back, and he's gone. That was one of those shots where, as I... There was a few shots, quite a few shots actually, where I'm just like, okay, I'm done. This is this is what this is insane. Oh yeah. And yeah, I mean, can't com- you can't get much more classic than that. I know. I'm freaking out over here, but for good reason. Those of you that have seen the film, which if you hadn't seen the film and you're watching and you're listening to this, I don't know why. Go watch it. You obviously all understand my my reasoning for going crazy about this. All these horror moments i liked the how the girl was watching the thing the original the thing movie yeah it was just kind of nice because you're because it's like well i don't know if john carpenter knew at the time that he wanted to do it but it was like john carpenter that's going to be one of your next movies oh yeah i mean so what three years after four years after i think it's four right because isn't it 82 yes yeah yeah my favorite one of my, my favorite horror movie, by the way. So if that doesn't if that hints at my possible ranking for the John Carpenter movies, then I don't know what does. 
that'll be a fun one to talk about for I think we should definitely do the thing for like December, TJ, for December. I'm down. Yeah. I mean, we've been meaning to show it to some friends <laughs> we, for a while. We Plus, have, I need to I haven't seen it in years. I think the last time when, I watched when did we it watch for? Dude, there was no way it was either the summer between our junior and senior year. That's when it was. It was either that or between sophomore and junior. I think it might be between sophomore and junior year. So it's been a hot minute. That's crazy. But Time flies. Yes, it does. It does. All right, I'm trying uh, to see if there's anything else. That, oh, I wanted to highlight on the dialogue it's gotten criticism over the years for being weak and but i would totally disagree because what people don't understand is these are teenage girls we're talking about these are teenagers we're talking about they're gonna say all these quirky weird flimsy sentences because they're teenagers (laughs) yeah this isn't some you know Lord of the Rings type dialogue or like critical, high praised critical movie dialogue. This is teenage girls were teenage girls and teenagers were talking about. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I, I just that's I feel like an unfair criticism. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely a like. Yeah, because I mean, like I mean, like, yeah, it's not going to be like over-the-top amazing like you said it's, no yeah we're, we're we're watching a movie about teenage girls being uh attacked by a guy in a captain kirk mask i mean <laughs> exactly it's, it's not like the, the dialogue itself is going to be oscar worthy i mean no yeah also no. you'd think the reason i bring this up is as i mentioned there is going through some of the reviews that i listened to and and read that was that had come up that had come up several times also you'd think if you looked at donald pleasant's monologues and you you'd think those reviewers would understand that oh wait i see the disparity here and i can understand that this was probably probably word they probably wrote the dialogue because they were teenagers because I mean, TJ, I don't know about you, but I'm rehashing what we've already talked about, but those monologues are great, and I don't see any issue with those from a dialogue standpoint. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're fantastic. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know how to, like, yeah, it's hard to, like, compare, like, normal teenage talk to like a monologue about a killer it's it's gonna be like a a weird disparity it's bound to happen but it's it's not like it's bad for that reason it's just no yeah i don't know i have one final point that i want to harp on and then tj you can say what you want to say about whatever if we didn't get to it and we can go from there Ultimately, what makes this movie so great, in my opinion, 
There's multiple reasons, but I'd say one of the main ones, top three, I'd go as far to say, is they put a unnatural, scary figure, unorthodox figure, in a comfortable setting that we are very used to seeing. A suburban, a, a neighborhood that looks very lovely, quite normal, and you stick an unorthodox, scary figure in it. Honestly, one of the oh, yeah. most troped aspects in television or television and movies from from this film. Yeah, it's one of those things that like yeah, you watch now and you're kind of like, oh, it's not like crazy, crazy, but yeah, it's like it is one of those movies that like you watch now and you're like, oh, this this is a lot older than I originally thought it was. Like it freaks you out. Of, yeah. Yeah. Stranger Things does this. They do exact. They not only do they do it, they exactly do what Halloween does, which is put an unorthodox force in a very normal-looking setting, neighborhood, town. Yeah. Yeah. You see that? You know, like yeah, Stranger Things. Uh, it the Stephen King book. Right. It does that. Um. Stuff like The Conjuring, like, like all the like movies though and stuff that we like we all know. Like they do it a lot. I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's very commonplace. And from my understanding, it came from Halloween. It's yeah, Halloween is like, I mean, it's one of those classics of that, like, staple where it's like, everything seems normal and then, like on the surface about like. You add a weird external force, and simply it, it like it becomes a lot like that's like that's a horror in it. That's what or makes like it so it. scary is, is the oh, fact yeah. that it's well. There's other reasons, but mainly the fact that it is the scary figure con- that's contrasting with the normal looking neighborhood. That's yeah. a big reason we get a scare factor from it. Oh yeah, yeah, and I mean. Yeah, I mean, Get Out does that with, uh, not with, like, monsters, but, like, people in general. And, I mean, that, I mean, that movie's fantastic, but... I have to get to those Jordan Peele films. That's for certain. Oh, they're so good. I'll watch Get Out with you. I love Get Out. I've I'll heard that's... Us. Us I've heard fun. that one's his better one, is Get Out. Get Out is a lot better. Yeah. Um... Us is, it's fine. It's a lot more, like, uh, my opinion might change, but, like, Get Out is just, like, a truly, like, through and through, is, like, fantastic on every level. Uh, Us, it's a lot more, like, it has more of, like, a supernatural vibe to it, so, like, it's a little more fantasy in a way, and that kind of... I don't know. Watching them back to back is weird because like they're very different. I don't know. I just like get out more. <laughs> I think a lot of people do too. I, th- I think it's a very common consensus that Get Out is his best so far. I'd say that's what I've heard. Uh, that is what oh, I've yeah. heard. So that yeah, that'll very be a fun one. Do I see a uh, an Us is better than Get Out? Mm-hmm. Very rarely. TJ, before we end our Halloween discussion, 
is there anything else you'd like to add that we didn't that we missed maybe uh i think we got it pretty good i think we did a good job with with this one there every every once in a while we'll have an episode where i'll think about it and i'll remember oh we i think we missed that or we missed that but i i agree we did a solid job with this one and covered a lot of it i'll add one final thing which is the box office the budget was as we mentioned before 300,000 and it made 47 million in 70s money which today would come out to be 150 million roughly okay that's pretty good it is considering it's it's like practically an indie movie for the time it's an it is an independent film yeah. Right. And at the time, I think another movie passed it already, but I don't know which one. At the time, it was the most it, – it was the highest boxed office for an independent film at the time. I'll see ever. what the highest grossing indie movies are. Researcher TJ is on the case. Uh, top, ten top highest grossing indie movies ever. Juno's up there. Goodwill Hunting. Makes sense. Blair Witch. Classic. Also makes sense. Get Out. Full Monty. Uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. There's no way that's... What? I'm going to go to a different one. I don't think some of these are indie movies. Also, I... I hope that the lists account for inflation. I wonder if maybe that's why. I don't know. I think, yeah. Oh. I mean, technically, yeah, that does technically make it an indie movie. Yeah. Uh, The highest grossing is The Passion of the Christ. Oh, Oh, that's right. Mel Gibson literally paid for the the movie. Yes, he did. Because no production company wanted to fund it. Yeah, and it was in, and it, it was in great. Yeah, six ten uh six hundred and eleven point nine million worldwide. Mel Gibson got a lot of money from that film. We'll put it that way. I've never seen it. I haven't either. I've heard good things about it from some of the podcasts that I've listened to. Some of the a lot of the people that I listen to for movies seem to enjoy it. I've heard interesting things. Some people really like it, and some people really don't. <laughs> interesting. It's very divided. Yes. I know some people are like, it's it's so over the top, and honestly kind of like, too much for it. Like, but so then some people are like, it's fantastic. So, yeah. And I think it's, I think it's Rotten Tomato score versus it's IMDb and fan audience score to say that. Has a critic score of forty nine. Um, what? And an audience score of eighty, and an IMDb score of seven point two. So, I bet that yeah. that's gonna happen with Eternals. I'm kind of thinking. Yeah, I'm interested to see how Eternals ends up. It hasn't been getting the greatest reviews, and I'm kind of, well, I want to see I, it for myself. No. I know some of like the IMDb stuff is review bombing. 
Oh, that's so, right. It was for the I. There is right. There's this one. See, yeah. One thing in particular about the film, I won't say on the podcast for spoiler reasons or just reasons in general. But there is this. There is this one overarching thing in the film where people are docking it for, even though they haven't seen it. I guess is what the thing is. Yeah, they're they're saying, it's just, it, yeah. It, I mean, yeah, it, it it's been interesting. Like, I know the review bomb is. I mean, I think they're starting to take down some of them finally. Good because they're like, yeah. I mean, just because you're a toxic, like little bitch, doesn't mean you should review bomb this movie. Because yeah, it doesn't make you cool. Stop doing it. Stop trashing on people's art because you're homophobic i can't remember if i asked what you said tj oh did you end up finding the halloween the independent film list oh um none of them were that good (laughs) Hmm. um i'll try and find another one if you want to uh start talking us out i will uh try and find something real quick okay we are getting this information we are getting from our info and trivia we are getting from IMDb for those that are wondering. That's what IMDb says. And I've listened to other podcasts that talk about this film and they've also said that it's one of the highest grossing and was at one point was the highest grossing. So, I'm sure that's it's true. We just can't seem to find a good list. All right, that is Halloween. Anything right, else TJ our- for you? Uh, I think that's it, for me at least. Yeah, we. I already mentioned, follow us on Letterboxd. We'll list those below, and follow us on Instagram, as I mentioned. And yeah. next episode, we don't know yet what we're going to talk about. We're probably going to go we'll back to... We'll figure something out. We did figure out something? I said we'll figure it out. We oh, always do. We should definitely try and hit on like a, on a new genre that we haven't discussed yet. I'm down. Maybe maybe a western, western romance. TJ, I know you. I told you at some point, give us a good romance movie to talk about. Okay, I'll figure something <laughs> out. Just to cover all genres, we want to be very inclusive oh, yeah. here. We want to be very inclusive. Talked a oh, lot yeah. about action and sci-fi, so it'd be good. It'd be nice for a, a change in a western, or something along those lines. Oh yeah, but but yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. We again, we yeah. hope you enjoyed, and we will catch you on the next episode of the Man Whenever Who That Is Fits podcast. Whenever that is. Whenever, Adios. whatever. Yes. Adios. Adios.